With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and we're into week 16. And the Seahawks are at home for the final two games of the NFL regular season. The 11-3 Seahawks take on the 4-9-1 Arizona Cardinals. And the host of Believe in Cardinals on the Believe Podcast Network, former tight end of the NFL and XFL, a member of the 1998 NFC champion Falcons, Ed Smith joins the show. Ed, how you doing? Brandon, thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to it and uh, happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you as well, everybody listening. And it's really cool that you could come on the show, Ed, because you have had just an incredibly unique career in professional sports, not just the NFL, the fact that you played, you know, in NFL Europe, you played in the NFL, you went on to play in the XFL, but you also played in the minor league system in baseball. And so before we get to the Cardinals, before we get to the Seahawks, I'm kind of curious because you have this unique perspective, how important is culture within an organization to toward winning because we hear about that all of the time just how and and we see it with the Seahawks you know Pete Carroll trying to develop a culture and now you have Cliff Kingsbury coming in as a new coach in Arizona trying to develop kind of a new culture just how important is that for a team and and a winning organization it is absolutely critical Brandon I was a uh, you know fortunate to you know if you look at my resume a bunch of teams like you said two different sports and I've been in so many good and bad uh, clubhouses, locker rooms. I've had great leadership. I've had bad leadership. Um, so I've experienced it all. And one of the things, my most pleasant experience, you mentioned, you know, being only 98 uh, Atlanta Falcons. I was there for two years, 97, 98. But that first season in uh, Atlanta was one of those things, you know, Coach Reeves had come in, taken over the organization. And you know, we were kind of like a ragtag bunch of guys coming together. And he was trying to, you know, so I saw the evolution of what you call that culture where that first season didn't start off so well for us. We were one and seven to start that season in 97, mm-hmm. uh, finished on a six and two clip. And you could tell, you know, there were certain guys that were there and all of a sudden they weren't there. Coach Reeves was trying to find out those character players. And, you know, it's, it's tough when you're dealing with a roster of 53 guys in the NFL, but he was trying to weed out the guys that, you know, he felt weren't a part of what he was trying to build. And lo and behold, you know, we rolled into 98 after that seven and nine season the year before, and he had those guys and it was kind of like a magical ride to be, you know, in an organization where every player, we didn't actually have to love each other or even like each other uh, per se away from the facility, but we got to know each other and on the field, everybody had each other's backs. And that was something that was developed through coach Reeves. You know, he was a guy that went player to player while we were out there stretching, talk to each one of us, you know, wanted to know how things are going away from the field. You know, what's, you know, uh, you have any issues you're dealing with, you know, that type of thing. And what, what, what happens is it becomes like a family, like everybody cares for one another. Like I said, between the lines and during the time we're out there on the field. So it's absolutely critical. And you can tell the bad organizations, you know, you can run down the list of them. They have, it's just like toxic. And if you can eliminate that, 
and not only build it just for a season, but sustain it throughout years, that's when you get the success of organizations. So having that as your background and then now watching the Arizona Cardinals kind of go through this year, what's been your impression of the team and how Cliff Kingsbury is doing so far? Well, you know, we got a rookie head coach, a rookie, uh, you know, starting quarterback, you know, both trying to find their way, uh, kind of create the identity for the organization. And I would, you know, Kingsbury, he's done, uh, I wouldn't give him flying colors, but so far you can tell just from the lack of noise that's coming from in the locker room, from the way they go out. And every year, like last year, we had a total debacle out here. You know, once again, we had a rookie head coach. Uh, they drafted Rosen as a quarterback, franchise quarterback. But every week it seemed like we were just getting pounded and it was like kind of dissension within the ranks. This Thus far this year, we've been staying in games, which is positive. Our record doesn't reflect, I think, how well we've been playing. But the, you can tell the team is – you know, along with like leadership like Larry Fitzgerald and uh, certain others on the team, it's actually a much more pleasant experience this year. And it gives me hope that, you know, but, but like I said, you throw the record away. The fact that we've been staying in games, the, the, the players all seem to be rallying behind Kingsbury. It's, it's actually getting to a point where we can have some hope out here because for the last bunch of years, it's been, you know, it's been pretty depressing. But you know, barring the record, I said, I, I, like I said, I think we're actually heading in the right direction here. Well, and part of heading in the right direction, I feel, is how you close out a season as a team. You know, you just face the Cleveland Browns team that feels like it's kind of going in the wrong direction and able to get the win. And now going into the final two games of the season against the Seahawks and Rams. You know, what are you looking for for the Cardinals in, in how they close out the season? I'm looking for more of what we did this past week. And I know and it was, that's a prime example of a team in the, the Browns. That's, I mean, they, every week they're, they've been in the news for non-football related and football related since, you know, the offseason. They just can't seem to get it right there. Uh, these last few games, you know, leading up to the Browns game, you know, we laid a couple eggs, uh, weren't in those games. It was like a little bit of a, like a little depressing because we'd done so well throughout the first uh, 11 you know games of the season we come into this game against the browns they played like i've been kind of looking for all season long with some fire uh moving around a little diversity in the in the, both the offensive from the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball so it was actually refreshing you know i've been looking for that complete game you hear people all the, all the time at least you know analysts talk about they played a complete game and that's what we did this past week we were a solid uh, on the offensive side of the ball, defense, and our special teams didn't let us down. So that's what I'm looking for moving, moving forward. The only problem is we got a couple teams finishing up that might make it look a little worse than it actually might be. You know, you guys are up there fighting for uh, to keep that number one seed. Obviously, you have a lot of talent, uh, you know, surrounding Wilson. You've been very successful to this point in the year. And I've been kind of, you know, we did our podcast earlier this week, and I'm kind of warning our fans, hey, you know, don't don't let the final score I kind of kind of put that bitter taste in your mouth because it's going to be tough to go, go up to Seattle and perform with everything you guys have on the line. But, uh, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been very pleasantly surprised with what we've done. Hope we can finish it out on a positive note these last couple. As Seahawks fans, though, Ed, we've kind of been conditioned to Bruce Arians coming up to Seattle and always having the team ready to play. And it feels like he's always getting these late season wins. So I'm, I'm a little bit glad that it's Cliff Kingsbury now instead of Bruce <laughs> Arians. But I, I, I don't know necessarily what to expect. And this time of year, too, you start hearing people talk about draft position you know if if a team should yeah maybe they shouldn't try quite as hard or maybe they should play the the younger guys so that way they can they don't hurt their draft position over the next two weeks 
in in our position, you know, I, I, we're kind of, you know, we got that fourth win in a tie. I don't think, you know, losing the last couple because you got Cincinnati and the Giants and Washington underneath you. I, I don't think we necessarily need to be worrying about draft position at this point. I think it would be a lot of goodwill if we go out and play well. Uh, the thing, and one of the things, Brandon, that I'm hoping is, and this might give you guys a little bit of trouble at this point in the season for the Cardinals, and I've been saying this for the last few weeks. We don't have anything to lose, so why not go out there and throw the kitchen sink at Seattle and at the Rams? You know, get a little exotic with some of the things you're doing, which in, in, in the case of Seattle, you guys might see some things that you're maybe not prepared for and maybe have to adjust on the fly. So I'm hoping we come out with these last couple games, especially this one coming up, and just, you know, fly by the seat of our pants, maybe a couple trickerations here and there, uh, which we've done in small spots, you know, we've had a couple of uh, fake punts and different things, formations, uh, you know, motions, things like that to kind of open things up. I hope we come with that attitude. If we come up there and get into a mode where we're just going to line up and, and try to match up against you guys, it could get pretty ugly. Well, and that's one of the concerns, too, is because late in the season, a team like the Cardinals may be trying to be a little bit more aggressive. And then you have injuries on the defensive side of the football for the Seahawks. We saw Al Woods, just the news came out on Friday that he had a PED suspension. So he's going to be out for the next few weeks. And he's one of those guys that, you know, a really strong run stopping guy in the middle of the defense. The Seahawks like to stop the run and Kenyon Drake. Holy smokes. He's coming off a huge game for the Cardinals. And he's a guy that wasn't with the Cardinals earlier on in the season when these two teams faced. Yeah, exactly. And right now Drake is auditioning. He's, uh, you know, we obviously, we have David Johnson who has really taken a step back. I don't know whether it's physical or mental, but you know, he's gone from a premier back in his league to a guy who's struggling just to get uh, double digit carries and receptions combined. So for Drake, you know, like I said, this is a full on audition for him and he's taking full advantage of it. The other thing and I don't know if you guys know it up there, but for whatever reason, the Cardinals and their fans, they consider the Seahawks to be like one of our rivals. And I'm not sure where that's bred from, but how sweet would it be for this Cardinals team to go up there and be this play the spoiler role and, you know, maybe put a dent in your playoff hopes. And then, like I said, right now you guys are sitting in the number one spot. How nice would it be for this organization to go up there? So I know that's probably an incentive and something that Kingsbury – is, you know, preaching to the, the team at this point, hey, we're not going to go up there and lay down. Uh, we want to make life miserable, as miserable for the Seahawks and their fans as possible. And one of the other things, I'll throw a caveat out of here, uh, a few years ago with one of your Super Bowls, you guys were out here playing in the desert, and Seattle fans came over out here and took over. <laughs> and the more I talked to Cardinals fans, it was just so bitter because, you know, why are they coming here and you know, all this celebration and, and you know, Seahawks fans everywhere. So it would be really nice. Uh, and I'm sure, like I said, the Cardinals, don't, hopefully they don't, don't need any extra motivation. But I think they're going to come up and try to give it their best shot. And like I said, try to make life miserable for you guys, at least for, for a week. Ed, you know, if you talk to fans, you can tell them, you let them know that a lot of times, you know, when you have a team this good, sometimes it's cheaper just to fly to an opposing stadium and watch a game uh, than it is to get tickets to your home stadium. So I, I, I it's unfortunate that's the way it is. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're an organization that's struggling, uh, that that happens. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the sad part is over the last couple of weeks, we played the Browns and the Steelers. And Brandon, they came out here and took over oh, our Steelers stadium. fans for sure. Oh, God. They, it, was, it was to the point, I was joking with my radio partner earlier, 
in the week. I said, man, you would have thought we were back in Pittsburgh. Like we took a flight back to Pittsburgh and played this game. And the same thing. I talked to somebody uh, at the over or after this weekend, and they were actually at the game, and they said in their section alone, it was eighty percent Browns fans wow. to twenty to twenty percent Cardinals fans. And you know, a lot of that comes from we have a lot of transient people out here moved from somewhere else. They still have their allegiances to. You know, wherever they come from, New York, Minnesota, you run, you know, run down the list. And it's when your team's not good, it gets real easy to sell those tickets on the second market because you don't want to go watch that filth anyway. And like I said, but, you know, Seattle, you guys have a great fan base. I've you know, had the pleasure of playing up there in the old dome. And it was at the Superdome, I think it was up the there. The Kingdome. The Kingdome, there you go. And yeah, like I said, it was always, it was a tough place to play, whether you guys are good or bad. So I'm sure you guys, the 12th man is going to be flying uh, real high out there for this game on Sunday because everybody knows how much it means to you. Well, we talked about Kenyon Drake being one of the differences from the last game to this game. There's a couple other differences that uh, some things that have changed since last time these two teams faced. And I want to talk about that with you, Ed, coming up after the break. Talking to Ed Smith, host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast on the Believe Podcast Network and the game coming up against the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks. These two teams faced early on in the season, and there's some things that have changed. No Patrick Peterson in that first game. Kyler Murray has a lot more experience. What are some of the differences you've seen from Kyler Murray to early on in the season to what you're seeing now late in the season? Well, you know, remarkably, he's been very consistent all through the years. You know, I was, you know, you, you watch a lot of the young quarterbacks come into this league, and if they don't have a chance to sit back and watch or, you know, if they're thrown right into the fire, a lot of times you get that deer in the headlights look, you know, and from the very beginning, I have not seen that from Kyler. Even a couple of his bad games was coming the last couple of weeks. You know, he still looks composed out there. What I've, what I've kind of seen is him using his legs a little more over these last uh, few games, which is very, I mean, with all that speed and escapability, uh, you know, I've been looking for him to have some of those kind of Lamar Jackson type games. Mm. He really hasn't had those yet, but I'm starting to see him be a little more confident in his in his run game. And I'm not sure whether it's by design or if early in the season he was kind of, you know, he didn't want to be that guy who was always hitting the eject button, you know, right away and getting out of the pocket. You know, even when he was scrambling, he was keeping his eyes up the field, but he ran into a couple sacks every now and then, or he would run out of bounds, you know, with a minus one or one-yard gain. Now what I'm seeing is he's actually scrambling He's still keeping his eyes up the field, but, man, he's breaking some long runs now. And that's been one of the really, I guess, evolutions of his game to this point in the season. Uh, you know, still protecting the ball well. Uh, you know, his interception total is is really impressive, if you, if you ask me. And, you know, it's just been one of those things, man, where he's been a real – you know, you look at him and you think this guy could, you know, because I have my doubts, I'm just like a lot of people, just because of his size, you know, being out there. Sure. And I'll tell you, Brandon, until you see him in person, standing out there with those trees, you don't realize how small he really is. <laughs> but then, like I said, he's handled himself really well. And I'm actually a believer that if you put enough around him, you know, short that offensive line, uh, get him some more skilled players on the outside. We, you know, obviously with Drake and Edmonds and who knows what's going to happen with uh, David Johnson, we'll see. But you get him, you know, Larry's aging a little bit. He can still be an asset if he comes back for another year. But get him some speed out there, a little more experience, and then, you know, short things up on the defensive side, but whether it be scheme or personnel, you know, we could uh, be looking pretty good moving forward. Yeah, as somebody who watches a small quarterback week to week, it definitely jumps out at me just how small 
Kyler Murray looks out there on the football field too. And that's, that's yeah. from someone who's a fan of Russell Wilson. Yeah. And I was going to say what, cause earlier on that we were comparing him uh, Kyler to like Russell and to Drew Brees. And I would always joke, well, Drew's like a giant compared to <laughs> next, you know, standing next to Kyler. He really is a small dude, but he's dynamic. And you know, that old saying good things can come in small packages. Well, you've talked about a couple guys, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Patrick Peterson. You know, I, I'm curious about these three guys in particular of who you expect to be back next year, because obviously Larry Fitzgerald, he's getting up there. It seems like this time of year, every single year we're talking about, is this the year that Larry Fitzgerald retires? I hope not. I want to see him play for as long as he's able to play. And he's been able to play at just such a high level for so long. But then you have guys like Patrick Peterson, who, you know, you talk about the the noise that came out earlier on in the season. It seemed like he wanted to leave. And then David Johnson from a talent level just seems like he's dropped off a cliff. Yeah, the, I'll talk about Larry first. I'm hoping he comes back just for one last go for for if nothing for no other reason. You know, he's a really humble guy. But I like if he announced that, hey, this is my last one. I'd like to see him get a nice send off wherever he went. Mm. Uh, you know, for all the years of service, and you know, he might be one of those guys, man, that just walks away and 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 peacefully. But I'm really hoping he does come back, and I'm sure the Cardinals will try to convince him as well. As far as Patrick Peterson, you know, we had a little. Uh, I guess small small uproar last year when it was the rumors were that you know Patrick had asked for a trade and you know a little disgruntled. Then all of a sudden he came back and you know they took the C off his chest, but he was you know he was all in and you know he finished out the season. Since he's come back, you know he's had spurts of showing what he used to be, but to a certain degree, I've, I've actually thought all through the season he's been very disinterested. And I, me personally, I would be surprised if he came back. I think he's. In his mind, he's ready to move on. It just hasn't been a pleasant past couple of years for him. He might not feel like he's a fit for the organization. I'm sure they'll have some conversations, and probably obviously from the Cardinals' standpoint, if you can get something for Patrick Peterson in a maybe like a slightly rebuilding mode on the defensive side of the ball, that's something they might look to do. David Johnson has been the biggest mystery out here, uh, you know, since day one of the season. One of the things that I noticed, and I talked about this all the way from training camp, I didn't know whether they, I didn't think David Johnson was a great fit for this offensive scheme. David is more of one of those guys, you know, you get him deep off the ball, maybe a fullback or a tight end in front of him, and you let him pick his holes downhill, try to get him outside, use him in a running game, mm-hmm. a lot of screens, and maybe even flex him out. This offense we have with Kingsbury is 90-some-odd percent out of shotgun, a lot of pistol. Uh, you know, he doesn't know whether he's getting the ball on this read or, or he will get it this read. And it's a lot of kind of non-explosive movement for him. And he's not that dude. And I think the pure evidence of, of what Drake has done over these last few weeks, I mean, he fits well with this with this scheme. So for David, um, and one of the things I've been, the red flag for me is the fact that they haven't played him much over these last few weeks. He had a game where he didn't start and only had a total of nine plays, not touches, nine plays wow. with zero, zero touches and zero receptions as well. So for me, it's almost like a red flag that the organization is saying, hey, we're going to push on this right now, get him healthy through the season so then we can evaluate what we might be able to get for a healthy David Johnson rather than somebody, you know, he's been a little injury prone over the years. Say we run him out there, he gets hurt, and now we got damaged goods or someone we can't move, you know. So I don't I don't anticipate David Johnson being here next year. And that's just my thought. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. But I would be very surprised 
if he wasn't dealt early uh, in the offseason to, you know, pull something in, you know, maybe draft picks or if you could luck out and find a good offensive lineman out there, something we are in dire need of, that would be my uh, kind of prognostication on that. I was surprised to see, though, that he was still number three on the team in passing yards behind Fitz and behind Christian Kirk. And then also to see him at number three in rushing you know, behind quarterback Kyler Murray. Chase Edmonds was just below him at number four. Uh, but then you have uh, uh, Kenyon Drake, who just came to the team uh, ahead of him. Yeah, if Drake was here all through the season, I mean, he would probably be, a, uh, in my opinion, he could almost been close to a Pro Bowl caliber player. Uh, just, you know, even this past week, he had 22 carries, 137 yards. That's the explosion that we're looking for. And you bring up a great point with David. You know, he's always he's always been a great receiver. If you look at his numbers, he's actually one of those dudes that could be a thousand thousand guy. You know, he gets a thousand on the ground and also a thousand in the air. The lack of, I guess, touch and attention this year is passing numbers are down and obviously with the rushing it's just been a, a total disappointment uh I, I do think though if he went to the right system and i think he could be that guy again just not here with the cardinals and it's disappointing because with the talent you have you figure you would go out of your way to try to figure out how to make it work but it just hasn't been a good uh, a piece of the puzzle to this point in the season all right, Ed. Well, with this game coming up against the Seahawks on Sunday, I'm kind of curious because we hear a lot about point differential. And I think you guys even talked about it on your uh, Believe in Cardinals podcast this week with the Seahawks, a 26 point point differential this season. What does it tell you about an 11 and three team that has a 26 point differential? What does it tell you about the Seahawks team? Well, it tells me that every week, every week, you guys better be like ready for the unexpected, meaning this Cardinals team, they can put points on the board and, and sometimes in spurts. And the big thing, I mean, you, you always, the, the big bonus you have, you have Russell Wilson at quarterback. So he's always there to pull rabbits out of his hat. It's just you're playing with fire when you're always keep letting either, and I'm not sure whether you're letting teams stay in the game or you just can't pull away, whichever it is. This is one of those instances where the Cardinals, like I said, they got nothing to lose. They come up there, they either jump out to a lead or just hang around and make something happen late. But I always fall back on, you know, the cream always rises to the top. I don't like to use those cliches, but in this instance, when you have Russell Wilson kind of guiding you, and then the other uh, caveat is you guys have so much to play for. And I'm a little worried, you know, sometime, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago after the two bad losses we had, I was wondering or worrying whether we had some guys here that were ready to cash it in and start looking forward to the off season and those vacations and start making some of those business decisions, you know, and like last week proved that we're still here. So we're going to go hopefully come up there and fight, you know, as far as this game right here, I think, you know, I, I think the point spread is somewhere around nine, nine and a half, something like that, but it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be that, type of game. I think it's going to be closer than we think. And, you know, I've already heard a couple of people as I drive around listening to talk radio all the time who've actually picked the Cardinals upset. I'm not willing to go that far yet myself. If it were me and seeing a team that had, yes, gone to uh, nine games where it came down within one score and you asked, you know, if it, you're you're not sure if, te- if that's just the Seahawks not being able to pull away, allowing teams to stay in games. It's all of the above, Ed, because when you go to nine games, you know, there's been ones where that, that like against Carolina last week where you allow a team to get back in the game when you're up 30 to 10. Then there's been others where it's just getting out to a slow start 
and counting on Russell Wilson to to pull out that magic at the end of the game. And then other games where, you know, it's just kind of a little bit of back and forth. So we've as Seahawks fans, we've seen it all this year. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, the crazy part with that point difference, you know how much different, you know, 11 and three could be like six and seven, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, you just hope that they come out, uh, expect the unexpected. And, you know, from a Cardinal standpoint, like I said, we're always rooting for our boys down here. I, you know, if we come up there with a, you know, with a game plan and, you know, throw a couple surprises at you guys, maybe there's a possibility we could jump out front. And one of the problems we've had is we've had some games where we've taken leads into halftime. You know, we surprised the 49ers, took them into halftime of the lead. Well, our biggest problem has been not being able to close out the game. So that, you know, until the last whistle, until it's all zeros on the clock, even if the Cardinals are ahead, I'm always kind of cautious because with you throwing a combination of our antics when we give leads up, give games away, and what Russell Wilson can do, that's a bad uh, mix if you're betting on the Cardinals and thinking they might go up there and pull this one out. Ed Smith of the Believe in Cardinals podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Ed, I really want to thank you for coming on. If people want to check out your latest show where you are talking about the Seahawks, where's the best place to find it? Uh, they can go to the Believe Network. It's B-L-E-A-V. Uh, I also do a radio show out here in Arizona, uh, Easy Sports Talk. We're on NBC Sports Radio, 1060 AM. So if they want to check that out. And on Facebook, we have the Easy Sports Talk uh, page. So, Brandon, can't thank you enough for having me, man. I didn't get your prediction. What are you predicting for this game? You know, nine and a half points is a lot to of a point spread to overcome. I do think the Seahawks are going to get the win, but uh, I'm going to say it uh, it ends up being another one of those close games. I don't think it'll be a touchdown. I'm going to say eight points. I'm going to say 25 to uh, what is that? 17. OK, I'm going 26, 20. That, that, so we're right in the same area. Yeah. Well, if it's 26-20, the Seahawks have a chance to break a record held by the 86 Giants of being wow. in nine games uh, with that were a, a touchdown or less. So, you know, this, this could be the week that the Seahawks uh, set a record. There you go. <laughs> All right, Ed. Uh, big thanks once again for coming on. Uh, follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Smith Speaks. Appreciate you, Brandon. 